we're going to talk about how to host the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, and it will come to pass in the last days, God says, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see dreams. Your old men will dream, excuse me, young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. God says in the last days, his intention is to pour out of his spirit on all flesh. And Jesus, as he's about, well, he's about to go to the cross. He's talking with his disciples. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Now, that would have been a, a hard sell. He had been their companion, their friend, their coach, their mentor, their teacher. He's personally present. He's talking to them. He's helping them. He, he's mentoring them. He is right there. And he says, now, it's to your advantage that I go away. And so Jesus is saying, in my sending the Holy Spirit, it is better for you than if I were personally present. And how often hasn't we thought, well, if I could just be with Jesus. But Jesus said, it's better that you have the Holy Spirit than that you have my tangible, personal presence right there. He said, it's your advantage I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, now, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, is going to help us. Now, what the Holy Spirit does for the world and to the church are completely different. To the world, Jesus said, he will convince the world of its sins, of the availability of God's goodness, and of deliverance or escape from coming judgment. So what the, whole, what, what, what the Holy Spirit does for the world is to basically points them to Jesus. It says, you need Jesus. But look, what, what Jesus, the, the world needs to receive Jesus, but the church needs to receive the Holy Spirit. We need to be connected to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the spirit of truth will come and he will guide you into all truth. And he'll not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me and he will take of what's mine and he's going to declare it to you. Listen, the people think the Holy Spirit is weird, right? People are weird. And they blame it on the Holy Spirit, right? He takes what is Jesus's. In fact, Jesus said he is my representative, right? So, so the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People do weird things and then they blame the Holy Spirit. But he's not weird, right? In fact, Jesus said, but the helper, I love this. Now, now, let's suppose that we're going to move the drums, right? What we think the Holy Spirit does is he does everything, but Jesus said he's the helper. You start moving and he'll help you. We think he's going to do everything, but the Holy Spirit is not going to. We think God's going to do everything. He's not. He's going to help you. Number one thing Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he is the helper, helper. So you and I, we get involved and he comes alongside, he helps. He's the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. 
in Jesus' place to represent him and to act on his behalf. Again, the Holy Spirit is not, you want to know what the Holy Spirit is like? Just look at Jesus. He's Jesus' representative. He's acting on Jesus' behalf, right? He will teach you all things and will help you remember everything I've told you. Now, now by the way, for him to help you know the things that Jesus has told you, you've got to know those things. He's not going to help you know what you never heard. But he's the counselor, the helper, the intersector, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the one that represents Jesus. Right? Now, this world, we know, 1 John 5, 9, positively that we're of God. And the whole world around us is under the power, Amplified says, other translations say the sway of the evil one. Now, what is supposed to happen is this. As a believer, we're supposed to be under the power, the sway of the Holy Spirit. And the world is going to be different. It's going to be under the sway of the evil one. And by the way, when the church is just a reflection of the world, of its culture, it has no purpose. Jesus said, if you lose your saltiness, he said, what good is it to have to be thrown out and trampled underfoot? That Jesus... His representative today is the Holy Spirit. So the world needs to receive Jesus. The church needs to receive and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So number one is do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words even come out of your mouth, but only such speeches as good for building up others according to the need and the occasion, so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. You know, when, when, when we are critical, when, when we're in strife, when we're attacking, when we're not building other people up, it grieves the Spirit of God. It says, but seek to please Him, by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own, for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. And it goes on and says to be tender-hearted, forgiving. Now, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's like our lawyer. Now, how many of you know lawyers say good things about you even when there isn't anything good to say? I mean, they're, they're, going, to paint, they're going to paint the best picture of you possible. You see, the Holy Spirit is always going to be speaking words of encouragement of love, of acceptance, of victory to you. And he wants us to speak those same words. No evil speaking. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving, not grieving the Holy Spirit. When, when Jeannie and I were, were first married, we were still in Bible school in Dallas, and we, we had a little apartment like 220, 230 square feet. I mean, it was little. It was everything, right? And we had our friends over that were engaged, right? And, and how many of you know I'm Dutch? All right. Now, what that means is this, that I play rook. Now, all Dutch people know that because we couldn't have regular card, playing cards, but we had our special rook cards, okay, because they were more holy somehow. I don't know. So anyway, we're playing rook with our friends, all right? And it's boys, excuse me, it's, it's, it's couples because Jeannie's on my team and, and the other couple, they're, they're a team. And we are, we are just smoking them, all right? And he gets mad. And he starts attacking her. And she starts attacking him. 
And he says something to her. And she says something to him. And he said something to her. And Jeannie starts bawling. She just starts crying. And you say, why? Because we don't treat each other that way. And we're not used to an atmosphere of strife and pulling people down. It grieved her. Right? Now, when we do the same thing, when we do that, you know what? It, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves the Holy Spirit in the same way. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have also forewarned and testified. For God has not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Now, he's saying the same thing. He's saying when we live immorally, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And he says, don't do that. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always going to lead us to walk in love. Right? Love believes the blessed. Love does not suffer under a wrong that is done to it, the Bible says. Love forgives. In fact, Jesus, talking about this in Mark 11, he said, every time you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. Now, you may say, look, I haven't been offended this week. It's still Sunday morning. <laughs> I promise you will not make it all week without an opportunity to get offended. Somebody will say or do something or not say or do something. All right? You will have an opportunity. But Jesus said, every time that you pray, check your heart. And if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Pray for them. Forgive them and pray for them. Now, there's a really well-known story that took place in Armenia in, in, right before the First World War, right was its beginning, 1915 to 1917. There was a tremendous genocide that took place in Armenia. Uh, the Turkish Muslims killed over a million and a half Christians systematically. But there's a story of a Turkish officer. He bursted into a Christian home. He immediately killed the father the mother, then the soldiers raped all the daughters. They shot all of them except for the oldest daughter, who this Turkish officer kept for himself as a slave, sex slave. After a few years, she found an opportunity and escaped, survived the genocide and became a nurse. One night, a wounded Turkish officer was brought to the hospital where she worked, and by lantern light, she recognized him and knew who it was. This is a man who had killed her parents, raped and killed her sisters, and had held her as a captive. He was critical. But she put extra attention into taking care of him and nursed him back to health. Finally, as he regained his consciousness and, and began to amend, the doctor one day said, he said, you were so bad. He said, it is, it is miraculous that you've recovered. And if it hadn't been for that nurse... He said, who gave you exceptional care. He said, you would have died. And he looked at her, and for the first time, he realized that they had met before. And he said to her, don't I know you from somewhere? And she said, yeah, yeah, I do. 
And he, she didn't say anything else. And he realized who it was. The next time she came back in his room, she said, why didn't you kill me? This is what she said. She said, I am a follower of Jesus who said to forgive those who do you wrong and love your enemies. You know, when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you will forgive no matter what has been done. Now, you, the, the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 14, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Now, listen, the Holy Spirit is a genius, all right? He is a genius. He, 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 he takes losers and makes them champions. If you will listen to the Holy Spirit, he will keep you out of a thousand pitfalls, all right? Listen, you and I, we need help. We need professional help, all right? Here's the great thing about, about God, the Holy, the Holy Spirit. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Do you realize when you have a problem, it's not when he finds out, right? You know, you're looking at your situation going, ah, this is not when God found out. He knew before. He foresees. He knows what to do. He knows the solution, right? And by the way, he is the spirit of truth. Listen, the devil cannot defeat you when you're led by the Holy Spirit. There is no wisdom, no understanding, no plan, the Bible says, that can succeed against the Lord. You know, when you're being led by him, that, that doesn't matter what comes at you. There is no way that you can be defeated. Now, the Bible says to be, be, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not something that happens one time and you're done. Right? It's something that needs to happen every single day. Say, Lord, fill me, fill me. But it says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 23, it says that when Moses was a full 40 years old, it came into the heart of Moses to visit the children of Israel. Now, since Moses was three months old, he has been raised in Pharaoh's house as an Egyptian, by Egyptians. The Bible says that he was learned in all of the knowledge of the Egyptians. And he lives his life until he's 40. And one day, it came into his heart to visit the children of Israel. Who put it in his heart? God put it in his heart. Right. The Bible says that God gives you the desires of your heart. It's not talking about a car or a dress or a house. It's saying God puts desires on the inside of you. Philippians 3, 13, God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want what pleases him and to work for them. In other words, God puts desires on the inside of us. Uh, when G.D. and I graduated from Bible college, we, uh, went to we went to Mexico. We were in Texas. We went to Mexico as missionaries. And somebody said, well, why did you go to, to, to Mexico? Well, because the Bible said in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we figured there were plenty of people here in the States, so we should go someplace else. We didn't have much money, and Mexico was close. <laughs> so we went. All right. As, as T.L. Osborne said, God will never get mad at you for going somewhere to preach. Share the gospel. He'll never get mad. So, so we're, we're there, and, and uh, one day... Uh, we get a phone call from our friend in Mexico City, Javier. 
And, and Javier says, he said, I'm going out in the mountains of Mexico, out in the jungle. He says, I'm going to preach. He said, it's going to be so much fun. He said, I want you to come with me. And, and I just said, sure. Didn't think about it, pray about it. I just said, sure, we'll go. So we go to Mexico City where they live. We get in a car, go about two and a half hours, stay in an in a Indian center. And in the morning, about 2 o'clock, they get us up. They throw us in the back of a CJ5 Jeep. We go about two, two and a half hours down a, a paved road that kind of went like this. And then we turned right, went about two hours down a dirt road, and then the road ended. Right? And when the road ended, there were some men waiting for us. Right? And something I had never, I probably had seen it before, but didn't know what it was. We had mules. Right? Now, a mule is a cross between a horse and a donkey. Right? Now, the reason they do it is because in these mountains, you need to be extremely sure-footed. And a mule is sure-footed much more so than a horse like a donkey. But it's larger, or supposed to be larger. They're supposed to be two to three times the size of a donkey. Right? But that day, I got the pygmy mule. <laughs> I really did. I'm, I mean, 12 hours we rode these things to get to this village way back, right in the mountains. Right? And this mule was so small. Sorry over there. You can have to look right up there. Okay. Right. I rode like this for... Oh. Right. There would be intendations in the trail, and I would just stand up. I'm serious. I'm serious. I was so sore. I don't know if you've ever ridden up and down mountains, but man, it gets your... Look, guys, I cried. I mean, like, this was, this was like, this was the worst, okay? Twelve hours, we finally get back to this village up on the top of this hill called Buena Vista. Good view, right? And, and it's a hundred and some degrees, right? There is no electricity. The, the, the houses are, are sticks, dirt floor, thatched roof. There's no running water. There's no bathrooms. If I found out right away, I, I got off and, 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 and I said, uh, Don't sale baño? You know, that's the one phrase every American knows. Where's the bathroom? And they said, Al monte. <laughs> you speak Spanish, don't you? I said, The mountain. You know, just any place you like, you know. So I'm trying to take care of some business. And, and this pig, he had to be 400 pounds, he may have been 500 pounds. He just comes running. He can't wait, you know. And, and fortunately, there were some rocks. And, and uh, I'm f I am freaking out. You understand? I am freaking out. And I go to my friend Javier. I grabbed him by his shirt. And I pulled him close. And I said, Javier, why did you bring me here? I said, this is not my ministry. I said, I belong in cities with water and bathrooms and electricity. And I told him, I said, I want to leave now. I told him, I want to leave now. He said to me, we can't. And I said, why? He said, we don't know the way back. <laughs> and we don't have any mules. Right? So we're there for three days. Every morning by 9 o'clock, we're in church. They let us out at noon, have a little something to eat, go to, from hut to hut, praying for people, talking to people, have a little service in the afternoon. 
about five o'clock, we'd eat something, six o'clock, we had service from six until midnight. Three days. So <clears throat> we're getting ready to leave. And we're in kind of a little center area of the, the little village. And uh, they, they brought me a mule. It was a real mule. I climbed up on that mule. And, and I remember sitting there and just tears are just running down my face. And they were not tears of joy that I was leaving. They were, just, they, they were tears of, of love and compassion. And God has put in my heart that Jeannie and I need to move from the city to a village to minister to those people. I got back to Mexico City and I said, Jeannie, uh, uh, I think, and she's like, I know, we're going to move. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Listen, there was nothing in the natural to make us want to go there. You understand that? There was nothing in the natural. But God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want what pleases him and to work for them. See, God puts desires in your heart. That is, if I look back at over 44 years of being a Christian, every single time that there has been a major change or move, it has happened the same way. God put a desire, a desire. And he does the exact same thing for every single Christian. The Bible says that deep calls to deep. Deep calls to deep. In other words, God's spirit is going to communicate with your spirit. He'll put a desire down on the inside of you. Right? Now, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 says, Let the peace of God, the soul harmony which comes from Christ's rule, act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. In that peaceful state, to which as members of Christ's one body you are also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving thanks to God always. Now it says the peace of God is to rule or be the umpire, I love that, with finality in all your decisions. Right? So this is what it's saying, that, that, that the devil can do a lot of stuff. I can, I can pray and say, God, if you want me to do that, have it rain this afternoon. Who knows? Right? But here's what the devil can never counterfeit and never do. Give you the peace of God. Amen. The peace of God to rule in your heart. And it says when you have peace, when God, you have that peace in your heart, it says if you will do that, you will be safe. You'll be in the will of God. But if you don't have peace and you do it, you will be out of the will of God. That peace is to be your umpire. That's one of the ways God leads us is by giving us peace, or literally taking that peace away from us. And that's just telling us, look, you don't have peace. If you do that, you will be out of God's will for your life, out of the blessing that God has for you. Say, number three here is honor the word of God. Honor the word. In 2 Peter 1, it says, knowing this verse, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. But prophecy came by the, no prophecy ever came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, your Bible was not written by Peter, James, and John. 
but was written by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the Spirit of God that moved on men to write. Notice, it says no, pro, no prophecy is of any private interpretation. In other words, this is what it means. It says there's not one interpretation for you and one interpretation for you and another interpretation for you. There is one interpretation. But now listen, there is an application for you and 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 an application for you. There are a million applications, but there's just one interpretation. Right? So the Holy Spirit has written the word. Right? In Timothy, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. It's the spirit of God. So here's what that means. The Holy Spirit will always, always, 1,000% of the time agree with the Bible. Right? And the Holy Spirit will never lead you in a way that disagrees with the Bible. I remember as clear as a bell, a couple coming up, couple a man and a woman came up after service and they said we want you to pray and tell us what we're to do and I said well what's your request they said we're not going to tell you and I said look I got to know and so finally they say all right we want you to pray that we know the will of God because we think we know the will of God and we think God is telling him to divorce his wife and marry me and me to divorce my wife or excuse me my, my husband, and marry him. Right. <laughs> they said, well, you pray. And I said, no, I will not pray. See, there are some things you do. Listen, you do not need to pray and say, oh, God, is it your will for me to stop at the stop and go on the way home and rob it? <laughs> you don't need to pray about that. Why? Because the Bible says do not steal. Right? See, when, when God says one thing in the Bible, he will never tell anyone something that is contrary to what is written in the Word. The same Holy Spirit that wrote that Word will not lead you, guide you in a way that is contrary to the Word. So you know what I told that couple, don't you? The people like that, I, I really think sometimes we should just Give them a flashlight in the Bible, put them in a closet, and leave them there for six months. I mean, <laughs> read the Bible. Read the Bible. All right. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. See, the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And you are honoring the Holy Spirit when you read the Bible, when you meditate in the Word of God. In Mark's gospel, verse, chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus said, pay attention to what you hear. By your own standard of measurement, that is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you. And you will be given even greater ability to respond. And more will be given to you besides. So what it's saying is this, it's saying that when we get in, in, into the Bible, we read the Bible, and we begin to meditate on the Bible, the Holy Spirit shows up and he makes that alive. He quickens it to you and he applies it to your life. Right? Now, you can memorize the entire Bible, but it's not what you have in your head. It's what gets in your heart that makes the difference. 
I've told the story before. When our, our oldest son, Josh, was like one year old, we fed him spaghetti. It was a mistake. I mean, he literally had spaghetti everywhere. And he, the bowl ended up on his head. I mean, there was, there was spaghetti everywhere except in his mouth. But the only spaghetti that would help him was the spaghetti that got in his mouth into his stomach, right? You can have Bible everywhere around you, but that will not change you. The Bible that will change you is the Bible that gets in your heart. And the way the Bible gets in your heart is by meditating on the Word of God. And as we meditate, the Spirit of God quickens it. Listen, all sorts of companies have been getting hacked. Even our State Department got hacked. But you cannot hack God's system. It can't be done. It's impossible. The only way it happens is when the Holy Spirit takes it from here and puts it here. And it happens when you and I meditate on the Word of God. It's not enough to just read. It's not enough to just hear. We've got to meditate. And as we do, the Holy Spirit puts it in our heart and applies it in our lives and gives us the strength, the ability to do what the Word tells us to do. Remember what Joshua, what God said to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. When you meditate, it gets applied to your life and you do according to all that's written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous. You have good success.